Matthew chapter 24. Take your Bible, please. Open it up to Matthew chapter 24. Countdown to Armageddon. Matthew chapter 24 is a section of scripture that many call the Olivet Discourse. What that means is that, um, well, I'm not going to give you all the, the meanings of it. the Olivet Discourse. Jesus gave it, okay, on the Mount of Olives, I'll tell you that. And he's looking at the city of Jerusalem and what is going to be taking place in Jerusalem and in the world in the last days. He was asked the question by the disciples, as we're going to see here. In Matthew 24, 1, it says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you that there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, that's why it's called the Olivet Discourse, his disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, here you go, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. Now the end of the world, the word world there does not mean the globe. It means the world in in the sense of the ages, the end of time is the idea. It's, it's a word related to time. In a lot of your translations, they will use the word ages. There's nothing wrong with world because that is related, right? We live on the world, in the world, and so we are going to experience these things. Now, this is what we are going to be looking at during this series. Uh, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? And the end of the world, or the end of the age, all right? Now, Understand, and this is a very key thing on the very front end of this. When we talk about Jesus coming back, a lot of people do not understand that that him coming back, it can refer to one of two things. It can refer to, if you're looking at literature written in the church age, such as Paul's writings and so forth, and a little bit here, as we're going to see today in the Gospel of John, Usually it refers to the rapture of the church, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Briefly, a lot more on that next week, okay? But then when you get to like the Gospels and you get to the Old Testament and Matthew, Mark, and Luke in particular, when it talks about Jesus coming again, it's not talking about the rapture of the church. It's talking about him coming at the end of what's called the tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble, okay? It's seven years long according to Scripture. How do you know that? Because the Bible says so. It's just that simple, okay? It's not complicated. And so this is what you need to understand at the very beginning. So Matthew 24, and we're going to be referring to Matthew 24 regularly as we go through the series Matthew 24, when it talks about Jesus coming back, it's not rapture. It's second coming to earth. When Jesus talked to his disciples, the church had not begun yet. The church age had not begun yet. So rapture wasn't the issue. They knew nothing about the rapture. He's just telling them, there is a second coming. I'm going to be coming back to earth. All right? And as we're going to see, the rapture, he doesn't come all the way back to earth he calls us up to meet him in the air. Now, when the word Armageddon, though, is used, most people think about worldwide tragedy and war. Some people just use it today as a simple description of tragedy and chaos. They'll say, oh, it was an Armageddon, all right? 
Well, you ain't seen nothing yet. But when they use the word Armageddon, they are right in the sense that it is tragedy and it is war. The concept of Armageddon, the name Armageddon, it comes straight out of the Bible. And the day of Armageddon is coming, and I believe it's coming soon. I believe it is within seven years that, uh, or around seven years, if the rapture were to take place today, Armageddon would be in about seven years. How do you know that? Again, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible as we are going to see. But there is a lot that is going to take place on this earth before the day of Armageddon, the battle of Armageddon comes. And we are going to be talking a lot about that in the next coming weeks in this series. If you haven't noticed, our world has been turned upside down. And so has the thinking of many people. I believe one of the big reasons we are in the situation we are today is because man cannot be trusted. This is a, a, uh, a strange time in my lifetime where man cannot be trusted. We have always known man is a sinner, man does things wrong and all that. But the depth of distrust in the world and in our country, the United States of America, I don't know that it's ever been the way it is as it is now. We do not know what or who to believe today because of the amount of lying and the amount of deceit in our society. I'll give you an example. Take COVID-19. Now, I'm not denying COVID-19 is real. I'm not denying it. But take COVID-19. Is it the truth, how bad it is, or is it a conspiracy? Maybe some of both. Is there anybody in this room who really knows to what extent part is truth and part is conspiracy? No one really does. Are the wicked going to use COVID-19 for their gain? Absolutely. Absolutely, the wicked will use it. Those who want a one-world government, those who want a, a one-world system, more government control, they absolutely want to use it. They've said it. They want to use this to bring in greater government control. And by the way, that's not hype. It's in the everyday news. So you can read it, you can find it, okay? And I'm not talking about on weird websites. I'm talking about normal places. This is where the discussion is. So are they gonna use it for their gain? Absolutely, or at least they'll try to. Our nation is very divided and socialists and communists are working very hard to destroy these United States of America. You know, it used to be where they tried these things and they couldn't get enough ground because there was still enough traditional American history in the lives and minds of the American people. But we have educated a, a, a whole a society of people today who a lot of them don't have any idea about true American history. There are many crooked politicians in our nation, as well as judges, and even some in law enforcement who are crooked. The education system of our nation is rewriting history, and it is making the good people of the past as the bad guys, and the bad guys of today as the good guys. This is happening. There's an indoctrination going on around our country and, of course, around the world. We are being conditioned to having our freedoms taken away little by little. 
Folks, you know, it's interesting. Now, I, I, I thank God for the mega churches in California who are standing up and saying, no, we are going to open anyway because we have a mandate, a command by God, and God is the one who's over the church. That doesn't mean they're trying to be irresponsible. They're trying to be responsible, but at the same same time understanding they have a mandate. What's interesting about it, that there's plenty of Christians who are criticizing the churches for opening up. And yet I read this week, it was very interesting, the uh, observation by somebody. They said, isn't it interesting, the very ones who will criticize the churches in America about opening up are the ones who are praising the underground saints in China who are having their, they're still worshiping in China, but they're having to do it underground because of persecution by the government. Do you get the picture? Do you get the picture? Who can you trust? That's a big question. Who can you trust? It was in the news just the other day. If they come out with a vaccine for COVID-19, one third of the American population have already said, we're not taking it. Why not? Because they don't trust the, the leadership, that's why. They don't trust the news media. They don't trust the politicians. They don't trust the CDC. They don't trust Dr. Fauci. That's why. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I don't know, okay? That's not my field. I don't pretend to know things that I don't know. But I can tell you this, trust is at a low level in this country and in this world. So who can you trust? Well, the only one you can totally trust is God himself and his book. This is a completely trustworthy book. And that is where we are going in this series. He is precisely the one who will be, that we will go, be going to during this series. And he'll be the only one who will be the answer to the problems of the world in the future. And so we're going to be going to his book because we know we can trust what it says. The great theologian Mark G. Cameron said this, and it is a great truth. Prophecy is the mold of history. Prophecy is the mold of history. What you read in the Bible is the way it will go. You can trust it. You can believe it. And that's where we're going during this series. The Bible is a book of prophecy. The Bible is between 25 to 28% prophecy. Did you know that? You know, we have gone through a period during the seeker-friendly church period in our nation to where pastors were discouraged from talking about prophecy. And it was more of just deal with life now, your life now. Don't talk to people about prophecy. They'll just get glassy. They can't relate to that and all this kind of stuff. And so there is a famine in the land. There's an ignorance in the land when it comes to what is God doing. I believe with all my heart, one of the reasons why there is uh, the level of despair there is within the body of Christ at some churches and some areas but there's a level of fear. Why is that? Well, because they're just not convinced that what God says about it is true, or they don't know what God says is true. Now, when I speak of prophecy, I am referring to the aspects of it that have to do with what God has written in advance and that which will come to pass, okay? The word prophecy, it can mean to foretell the future and to simply forth tell the truth of God. In other words, to speak it forth. 
right? We are going to be talking about foretelling. Now, I'm not a fortune teller. God is the one who knows the future. Why? Because prophecy, what he gives us in the scripture, that is the mold that history will fit into. As a matter of fact, prophecy is one of the main ways that God, the God of the Bible, the one true God, distinguishes himself from all other false gods. Did you know that? Look with me over to Isaiah 46 in verse 9, and it says this. It says, remember the former things of old. Now watch this. Isaiah 46, 9, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Watch verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God says, I'm the one true God, and the way you're going to know it is I'm going to declare to you the end from the beginning. And things that haven't happened, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Go over a couple pages over to chapter 48. In verse 5, same concept. It says this, I have even from the beginning declared it to thee. Before it came to pass, I showed it thee. Lest thou should say, mine idol hath done them, and my graven image and my molten image hath commanded them, okay? Lest people should say, well, I have a different God than the God of the Bible. God says, no, let me tell you something. You're dumb idol, because that's what it is. By the way, he does call them that, dumb idols. The Bible calls them that. I love that. I love it. They're dumb idols, okay? Emphasis on dumb. But anyways, God says the way you're going to know they're false. Listen, I'm the one true God. There's nobody like me. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Nobody can do that except me. Why? Because he's the one who does it. He's the one who makes it happen, folks. Now, many of the prophecies that have been written in the past have been and are being fulfilled before our very eyes, in the, especially in the last 75 years to 100 years. Miraculous things that only God could do that he prophesied thousands of years ago, we are seeing them happen in our lifetime. This is not hype. This is truth, such as the regathering of the Jewish people to their land. After being dispersed for some 2,000 years, God said in the last days, the Jewish people would come back to their land. He would be calling them from all over the world and they would come back and they would possess the land again. It would happen in the last days. What does that mean, the last days? Before Messiah would come, the second time, it would take place. May 14th, 1948, Israel became a nation once again. Never in the history of the world has something like that happened to a people group. And yet, God said it would happen, and it's happened. The regathering of the Jewish people back to their land, the coalition of Islamic nations, which need to come together so they can get with Russia and attack the nation of Israel. We know that's going to happen. The coming together of the European nations, the push for a one world currency and a cashless society, the explosion and the acceleration of knowledge that we see, whether biblical or secular. Who would have ever thought there'd be something like the internet? Global 
moral degradation. You might say, well, what do you, give me some examples of that. I can give it to you really simple. Abortion is about as low as you could go. It's one thing for people to war with one another in wars that man makes, and that's bad enough where they're killing each other. But how heinous and how barbaric to go into the womb of a woman and kill the child within. That's as barbaric as it possibly gets. China and the Eastern nations to become global powers. This is all in Scripture. The soon building of the Jewish temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. You might say, that'll never happen. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. They're ready to start any day, by the way. They've been that way for decades. Increased global hostility towards the nation of Israel. It's all prophesied. It's all in the Bible. And we're seeing it in the days in which we live. Now, what will the world experience in the near future? That's where we're going today. I'm going to give you a very quick rundown, 15 highlights, 15 highlights. Again, some of these, I'm just going to uh, almost just list them. Okay. The first one though, we're going to spend a little bit of time on because you need to understand it because you need to be ready for this. Number one, we know the next event on God's calendar. And by the way, God's calendar is the only one that matters. The next event is number one, the rapture of the church the rapture of the church. Turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is before he died. He did not explain it, but he did say it. This is different than the second coming to earth at the end of the tribulation because of how it takes place. It says in John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So here's the picture. Jesus would die, come back from the dead. He would live on earth, and then he would ascend. And when he left, he said, I'm coming back and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I come back, now notice the language. He didn't say, I will come back, touch down on the Mount of Olives and set up my kingdom. That's not what he said. Why? That's the second coming to earth at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. He says, I'll receive you unto myself. Do you see the difference? He doesn't touch down on planet earth. He's in the air and he will call us up and we will meet him in the air according to 1 Thessalonians chapter four. More about that next week. Now, who is that for? It's only for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ alone as their savior. It's only for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ alone as savior. It's not for all of mankind. And it's not based on good works. It's based on whether you've trusted in Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, notice in verse six, it says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Do you see the four absolutes in verse six? I am the way, not one of the ways. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. Only through faith in Jesus Christ 
can you go to heaven? Now, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Let me explain this to you. Illustration I like to use. Pretend this is you and me. Here's our sin. We're all sinners. Yet the Bible says God loves us, but he hates our sin. To go to heaven, all your sin has to be gone. Cannot get into heaven with even one sin. Therefore, we're all disqualified. For all of sin comes short of the glory of God. Now, God says there's nothing you can do to work this sin off, as we will see in just a moment. It's stated very clearly over here. Good works will not take away sin. God says a death payment must be made. And if we pay for our own sin, we'll have to die and spend forever separated from God in hell, suffering forever. God doesn't want that for you and me. And so what he did was he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, this hand representing him. Now watch this. Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He went to the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took all of our sins on himself. He made the payment so we don't have to. He was our substitute. He died in our place and he was buried and rose from the grave. And it says in the word of God that if you put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, you believe in him that he made that payment for you, the moment you do, he gives you everlasting life. You are saved forever by his grace, by his grace. Here, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. How are you saved? By God's grace, unmerited, undeserved favor. For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith is believing, trusting. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven. Now, if you believe in whatever religion you have, maybe you have your own religion. That's very vogue nowadays to have your own religion. And you think, well, I'll just do my best. I'll just do my own thing. I think I'll be good enough one day to make it. Or you might say, well, I don't, I don't believe in an afterlife. Friend, you have the freedom to believe what you want, but you better be sure you're right. Because if you die and you're wrong, there's no second chances. This is serious. How serious? Dead serious. If you die in that condition, you will be lost forever. Now understand that, how serious this is. Not only that, but here's what's going to happen. This event, the rapture of the church, the Bible says it is an imminent event. What that means is that the rapture could take place at any moment. So there are no actual signs that have to take place for the rapture to take place. And as we're going to see, Jesus taught the disciples, even of his day, to be looking for the rapture. Now, it didn't happen then, but we know that the rapture is going to take place before the disasters come upon the world that we're going to be talking about here in a few minutes. The key is this, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you're going to be taken out of the world at the rapture. If you don't trust Christ as Savior, you're going to be left to go through the tribulation period, which is coming. And you don't want to be here, friend. So the rapture of the church is the next event on God's calendar, the next event. And I believe it's going to take place any moment. It could take place before our service is over today. Do you really believe that? I really believe that. Are you trying to scare people? No, I'm trying to teach them. I'm trying to tell them the truth so they make a decision. I'm trying to inform them, warn them. You don't want to be left. What's the big deal? 
let's continue. Number two, the world will be in chaos after the rapture when all of a sudden many millions of people will have disappeared worldwide. How will it be? What will the world see at the rapture? The lost world will simply see people vanish. That's what the lost world will see. They won't see them go up. They won't see somebody saying, uh, my train's come from the rapture and I'm going now, goodbye. No, it's going to happen in a moment in the twinkling of the eye, the Bible says. And so such is here today. Now, the vast majority of people in this room have put their faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior, trusting in him and only him to get them to heaven. But friend, if you haven't, if the rapture was to take place, you would just see people disappear from the room. You'd be left behind. Now, I believe there's going to be chaos when the rapture takes place. How will it be explained? I don't know. But the world will start a process of falling apart. The world will experience the worst seven years in the history of mankind. We'll look at those scriptures in a little later. It's called the tribulation period or the time of Jacob's trouble. Number three, there will come on the scene someone who will seemingly have the answers to the chaos and will bring in a temporary peace. They will restore a certain level of order in the world. Number four, that individual will make a seven-year peace treaty in the Middle East to guarantee peace between Israel and her neighbors and to give Israel the right to build their temple on the Temple Mount and to start the sacrifices once again as a nation. The world will embrace this so-called peacemaker and he will get more and more power over the world as time goes on. The Bible calls him the anti-Christ. Do you believe he's in the world? Yes, I do. I believe he's in the world today. And by the way, he will be indwelt by Satan himself. Now, by the way, the word anti, the word anti can mean two different things. It can mean against And it can mean in place of, in place of. He will be both. He will be in place of Jesus Christ for those who embrace him. And he will be against Jesus Christ because he will be a blasphemous person. Number five, and this one's opinion, but I believe it's educated. It is my opinion that in a short time after the rapture, America as we know it will fall it will implode. Now, by the way, that could take place before the rapture. I hope not. We pray almost every night that God would keep our nation free until the rapture. You might say, why do you say until the rapture? Because it doesn't have a chance after the rapture. That's why. It doesn't have a chance. We today have a civil war going on in our nation for the values of this great country. Our traditional American values are being attacked on every side. Those values have been Judeo-Christian values. In other words, those values were based on the principles of the Old and New Testament. This is the fabric of our nation. And yet we see those being attacked today. As a matter of fact, more and more Christians are being attacked today. 
such as with this area of freedom to worship. All right, we're seeing that being attacked. Who would have ever thought? I mean, that is a clear-cut First Amendment right. It's right there in the Constitution. We have a right to do that. The government cannot stop that. And yet we see the government doing exactly that. Still, in some of our states, where's the outrage? And even the Supreme Court is siding. Instead of with the Constitution, they're siding with government. Folks, we are crumbling. We are crumbling in this regard. What about freedom of speech? Another guaranteed, quote unquote, right in our Constitution. And yet, what do we have today? We have more and more censorship going on by technology, by tech companies censoring Christians and people who stand up for traditional American values. Where's the outrage? The press, most of the press, won't even talk about it the way they should be. How about freedom to bear arms? Let me tell you something, folks. This problem is not going away. This is going to continue to be a threat on our nation. Listen, do you see how these things, by the way, all work together? Freedom of speech, freedom of religion or worship, freedom to bear arms, Take away the freedom to bear arms. Take away freedom to worship. Take away freedom of speech. You don't even have America anymore. The Bible says this in Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness, by the way, is defined from God. It's an attribute of God. He is righteous. Those standards, those principles, they come from the character of God. And that is the nation who will be blessed by God is the nation who stands up for and practices righteousness based on Scripture, lives by the principles of Scripture. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach unto any people. Now, I said all that to say this. When the church leaves at the rapture, our nation And our world will have nothing to hold back the spiritual darkness that has been fighting to overtake the world all this time. And we'll see that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, by the way. See, today the Holy Spirit lives inside of believers. When you trust Christ as Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. Once the church is taken out, the Holy Spirit is not restraining The Holy Spirit is restraining wickedness and evil in the world today to an extent in the lives or through the lives of believers. Once the believers are taken out, the restrainer is gone. Wickedness and evil will come in like a flood when that takes place. And America will not be spared from that. Number six, there will be the implementation of a one world currency through a cashless society. It will be the destruction of our monetary system. This is coming. Even today, cash is becoming a thing of the past. And by the way, with COVID-19, you are actually being encouraged to not use cash because they say it's so germy. Germy cash. Don't use cash. Go cashless. You might say, well, you're just being paranoid. Listen, friend, listen. And why would people become, now I'm not, but why would people become paranoid? Because they can't trust anyone, like I said at the beginning. 
You won't be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast, the Bible tells us. By the way, the beast is the Antichrist. You might say, well, that's, that's a long way off. Really? Did you know that today in America, you can't buy or sell without a mask? You might say, well, what do you mean? Well, I'm not selling anything. Yeah, but in certain places in our country where the laws are being enforced about the mask, businesses that are not requiring masks are being fined and they can be shut down. So they are not allowed to sell unless the mask is involved. And then you have people going in, no masks, no service. When we were on vacation, we, we went over for a day, we went over to Sanibel Island. And as you're going to Sanibel, they make it very clear, no masks, no service, anywhere, anywhere. No masks, no service. Unless you have a mask, you can't buy say, well, that's different than a mark. Well, it is, but in another sense, it isn't. It's still your freedoms being taken away, taken away, taken away. Folks, this is all, again, I'm not saying if you put on a mask, you get the mark of the beast. No, they're not the same. What I am saying, though, is these things are not far off. It's the same problem. Look at Revelation 13 with me. It says in verse 16, it says, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name, the name being, or the beast being the Antichrist. So unless you receive the mark of the beast during the tribulation period, you will not be able to buy or sell. Now, to do that, where you can't buy or sell, they need to get cash out of your hand. It needs to be a cashless society to where government controls the money and they can lock you out if you don't cooperate. Is it coming to that? Yes, that's exactly where it's going. Okay? Number seven, there will be wars, famines, and earthquakes. This will be unprecedented disease and famine and dying in the world. Number eight, there will be a one world government formed to bring order to the world. It's a revival of the old Roman Empire. It'll be a 10 nation or 10 region confederacy that is going to be formed. Number nine, there will be a one world church blending all the religions of the world into one. You might say that's never going to happen. It's happening. World religious leaders are having meetings and and they're seeing the common ground where they can come together and be common for the quote-unquote good of the world. And all those religions have one thing in common. They're all based on a works for salvation system. All of them. Be good. Do good to your fellow man, okay? These are the things. You'll either get reincarnated as something better or you'll go to heaven or you'll get nirvana or you'll get you know, uh, this or that, all of these things having to do with good works. God says, you're not saved by good works. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Christianity, true Christianity stands apart from all the world religions and yet all the world religions. Listen, they're having meetings at the Vatican, the Pope, the imams from Islam, all these different religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, They're all coming together. It's happening. 
Number 10, the peace treaty with Israel will be broken after three and a half years by the Antichrist. He will go into the rebuilt temple, claim himself to be God and to be worshiped as God. Number 11, there will be the unleashing of supernatural demon activity all over the globe. Might say, oh, come on, this is comic book stuff. Have you noticed in the last 10 years the amount of movies, 10 to 20 years, the amount of movies that have to do with vampires or demons or supernatural zombies or the walking dead or all of these things? Have you noticed how many of the movies and so forth have to do with that and witchcraft? It's a conditioning for what's going to be going on during the tribulation. Number 12, the Antichrist will slaughter more than one-fourth of the earth's population during the tribulation period. Let me give that to you in in numbers of billions. That is 1.5 billion. Actually, it's more than that. 1.5 billion people, he, through his armies and his dictates, will slaughter. We do not know how it will happen. It could be possibly through nuclear warfare. By the way, today we have the capability to kill every person on the planet 10 times over. I say, why would you need to do that? Well, you wouldn't. I just think about it. How many times do you have to kill somebody? But that's how much there is and that's how powerful. And who's it in the hands of? This could easily account for such widespread killing and destruction, nuclear warfare. Number 13, many Christians and Jews will be martyred who refuse to receive the mark of the beast and pledge allegiance to the Antichrist, Revelation 13, 7. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. This is coming right around the corner. Number 14, there will be cosmic and cataclysmic judgments poured out directly from God himself. Think about that. Like what? There will be incredible earth-changing earthquakes that will flatten parts of the world. Hailstorms, where the hail is so big, it'll be over 100 pounds per hailstone. How about that? Water pollution, where the water will not be fit to drink. Here's another one. People say, well, I'm concerned about global warming. You ain't seen nothing yet. The Bible says one of the judgments that God is going to turn up the heat of the sun to scorch men with fire. It's what it says. When? During a seven-year period. When's that coming? It could start any day now. Number 15, and by the way, there's more than 15, but I knew I had to stop somewhere. Number 15, man will want to die and God will not allow it. So those who do live will want to die. It'll be so bad and God will not allow it. Where does it say that? Revelation 9, 6. It says, in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. Why? Because God is going to be pouring his wrath out on the planet. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, to this time, nor ever shall be, and except those days be shortened. In other words, except that it's only seven years long, and he stops it by his second coming to earth, there should no flesh be saved. 
but for the elect's sake, for those believers, those days shall be shortened. I'd say, well, I have a hard time believing this. Friend, you better examine it. You better believe it. It's true. Everything God has ever said to this point has come true. And you know what? Everything he said about the future is going to happen. I believe we are on the precipice of the seven-year tribulation period. And if that is true, and the rapture takes place before that, we are even closer to the rapture of the church. I got one more verse for you. John chapter 3 and verse 16. We are going to be covering these, the things I've touched on here. A lot of this we're going to be covering in this series in detail. I'll show you all the verses. I know I just listed them today. There's no way we could have looked at all the scripture. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, though, it says this simple, simple truth. And you know what? If you're troubled about the future, you can solve it today. Not only for earth, but also for after earth, for eternity. This beautiful verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten son. He gave Jesus to us to die on the cross and pay for our sins. That whosoever believeth in him, you trust in him. Look at the promise. Should not perish, means you won't go to hell. But he'll give you what? Everlasting life. One condition that you believe on Christ, that you trust in him as your savior. Would you do that today? These things are true. I've been studying these things for over 40 years. And I'm more convinced than I ever was. Why? It's the word of God. You can believe it. Trust Christ today, friend. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.